so the uh, morning, everyone. Uh, the reading is from Luke 12, verse 22. So Luke 12, verse 22 to 34. And he said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his life span? If then you are not able to do it as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Well, it's really good to uh, be able to be in this place together to start the new year together uh, in this way. So... Praise God for the year of our Lord, 2023. Um, If your success or failure um, ultimately depended on you and what you do, uh, and you knew that, that actually it depends on you, how would that shape your life? On the other hand, if your eternal happiness uh, actually was guaranteed to you, uh, not based on you, but just as a gift from your heavenly Father, how would that? How would that shape your life? Uh, Someone famous, uh, whom I did not look up to find the uh, source of the quote, someone famous said, um, work as if it all depends upon you, pray as if it all depends upon God. But what does Jesus say? With Jesus, there's no as if. He's telling you the way things actually are. And he's telling you, your heavenly Father is giving away eternal happiness for free. That's the ultimate reality behind all things. Let's pray and then take a look at Luke 12. 
Gracious God, our Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, we would lift up our hearts to you, united by your Spirit, asking that you would open up our hearts and minds to receive your word well. Lord, we want to worship you today, not just with our words, but with our lives, and and truly find our rest in you. Help us, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this year uh, began, I don't know for you, perhaps late last night uh, with the fireworks or something, but here we are, ready or not, 2023. Uh, You might be excited about 2023, year of great opportunity for you personally, great leap forward, you've got great plans going, but perhaps you honestly are worried about this coming year, and for all I know, you have actual reasons to be worried. Um, There are two kinds of people, uh, those who are anxious and admit it, and those who are anxious and don't, right? So I'm not worrying, I'm just being responsible, okay? Um, If I don't keep on top of this problem, uh, I will be buried by it. It will ruin me. So maybe you and Jesus think that I should just go through life with a fake smile on my face and pretend that everything's going to work out, but hate to burst your little religious bubble, but that's not the way the real world works. You've got to take care of yourself. That's the bottom line. So if that is similar to your first response to the passage we heard read, I'm actually encouraged because it shows that you are taking Jesus seriously enough to disagree with him. Not many people will admit that they disagree with Jesus. But I think with Luke chapter 12, we all bring quite a bit of resistance to Jesus' message. Here in Luke 12, Jesus sounds naive. Now, to appreciate what he is saying, we should probably back up a little bit and consider some of the context. Just a few minutes before, back in verse 13, this man was bold enough to come up to Jesus and say, can you solve this problem for me? Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. There's only so much to go around. I need to get what's mine. I need to get my fair share. And in answering the man in verse 15, Jesus warns all of us not to covet, not to be grabbing for more. He says, life is not about having more and more things. Well, if life is not about stuff, then, then, then what is it about, right? And, and people will tell you, they'll say, life is not about things, it's about people. Uh, life isn't about stuff, it's about friends, Life isn't about money, it's about relationships. 
And I think there's a lot of wisdom in there. Uh, Those are pretty good sayings. But Jesus doesn't tell you to stop worrying about food and clothing so that you can start worrying about friends and relationships. He's got something to say that the advice industry never really gets around to saying. After telling one of his more convicting parables to this man who wanted his brother to just do the right thing and divide the inheritance, after telling this convicting parable, which you could read later this afternoon, Jesus takes a break from preaching to the great multitude, the huge crowd, and he has something to say to this smaller group that he calls his little flock. He's he's looking right at you and me, at people who are Christians. And he has something to say to you and me. And and you'll notice that it's not just non-Christians out there who struggle and fail with anxiety and worry. Jesus is talking to us about this because he knows that, that a lot of us struggle and fail with this. We have to try not to be offended that Jesus calls us little flock. I mean, can he come up with a better endearing term than little flock? Little? Well, Jesus knows that someday his church will be this huge multitude that no one can count. Some from every nation and language all gathered together. Covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. Jesus knows that, but he also knows that for most of his church throughout history, you will be a Christian minority trying your best to survive in a largely non-Christian world. And so he calls you little flock. Now, when, when he calls you a flock, a group of sheep, doesn't mean it as an insult to you. It's more of a compliment. He's the shepherd. He's the king. And we are his sheep. We are his people. So the kingdom that Jesus is talking about is the good life. The way things are supposed to be. A life of peace and contentment. Where everyone is in right relationship with everyone else. Where all of us are serving and worshiping the one true king. Jesus speaks to us here about how we tend to obsess over food and clothing. Now, maybe you are thinking, I honestly do not worry about food and clothing. I worry about more important things than that. That may be true, but the God who is committed to giving you your daily bread is also committed to giving you the whole works, the kingdom, food and clothing. Why do you think Jesus singles out those two things to talk about? Well, they're universal human needs, And they include more than we might think. When Jesus talks about food, he's talking about your health. He's talking about calories and energy and nutrients. 
food is also about fellowship. It's about friendship. It's about having something to share with others. And clothing. Clothing is more than just a matter of covering one's nakedness. Clothing is about dignity. It's about respect. Clothing is about beauty and glory. It's about reputation. It's about whether people will recognize you as someone that they can approach and relate to. Your clothing communicates all sorts of stuff, or so the sellers of clothing want us to think. So when Jesus speaks about food and clothing, he's covering practically everything. I was playing around with this this week, and forcing anything in life to fit these two categories. And you can almost do it. You have to force stuff. But food and clothing, health and human dignity, strength and personal glory, it's all covered in that. That's why Jesus mentions King Solomon in his royal wardrobe because humans, all of us, were created to be royalty to be crowned with glory and honor, to rule and to serve, to take good care of God's creation. It's why we're here. And Jesus is saying, your mission in life is to extend God's gracious rule everywhere. Your mission in life is not something you need to grasp after. It's not something you need to be anxious about. It is a gift. The good life, the kingdom, is being given away for free. You were not created to build the kingdom. You were created to receive it. God is giving it to you, and what's more, he's happy about that. He's happy to give it to you. It's God's delight. It's his good pleasure to give you the life that he created you for. Now, Jesus does not say that God is giving you the kingdom right now. It is a future gift. But it's the kind of future gift that makes all the difference in the present. Back in the mid-1700s, Jonathan Edwards, famous pastor and theologian, got kicked out of his church in New England. It does happen. He and the church leadership were disagreeing over the Lord's Supper, of all things. It's supposed to be a fellowship meal, and, you know, they were divided over it. It's the kind of thing we do. But he lost his job. He was fired, Edwards was. He lost his social security, his network. But a friend of his at the time observed this about Edwards. He said of Edwards... He was like a man of God whose happiness was out of reach of his enemies and whose treasure was not only a future but a present good, overbalancing all imaginable ills of life. So when you come to know the gospel, when you come to know God's grace to you in Christ, your treasure is out of the reach of your enemies. 
And you no longer need to be afraid of what anybody out there can do to you. Notice the way. I love the way that Jesus talks about life and anxiety to us. I I don't think he's oversimplifying things. And and if he doesn't address your peculiar situation, uh, understand that he is speaking to all of us as a group, right? So there's probably more to say on the subject affecting you personally than we would find right here in Luke 12. But I love the way Jesus goes about having this conversation with us because he doesn't just come to us and say, don't be anxious. Now, go do the right thing. Okay. No, he he engages your mind. He anticipates your objections. He gives you analogies to help you think about this from God's perspective. He asks questions that will continue to haunt you years later. And then he opens up and discloses to you the truth behind everything. His heavenly father. And I love the fact that even though Our father is Jesus' father. When he talks to us about the father, Jesus says, your father. He's already recognizing that you are children of God in him. So we might think that Jesus is out of touch with reality when he talks to us about not worrying but Jesus is the only one who's actually understanding ultimate reality. And he's saying that it has everything to do with your Father in heaven. When you worry about food and clothing, you are reducing life to something smaller than what it is. You are more valuable than the sum total of all the food you will ever buy and all the clothing you will ever purchase. Add it all up, put it into a number, and you, you, your life is more valuable than that. We are afraid, perhaps, that God wants us to starve and to wear ugly clothes. We are afraid of losing our health and our dignity. What is Jesus saying? Do I not need to go to work? Should I quit my job and just trust, be like a lily of the field? Well, God created you to work. He wants you to increase, not decrease, your capacity to make a profit. Jesus, though, wants us to stop worrying about food and clothing, not because we have overvalued food and clothing, but because we have undervalued our life, our body, and our future. Your Heavenly Father values you more highly than you value yourself. He manages to feed the non-kosher ravens and clothe the birds, or clothe the flowers of the field, rather. He clothes them with beautiful colors. And you, 
created in God's own image, how much more will he pay attention to you and make sure you have everything that you need? This is pretty much Jesus' main point here. There is something or someone that you have left out of your calculations. You have left someone out of your budgeting process, out of your annual plans. That someone that you have left out of the discussion is your Heavenly Father. You've left God out. And and we hear Jesus saying this, and we we just say, well, this is crazy talk. Uh, The birds, I'll have you know, Jesus, the birds actually work for their food. They fly around all day. I've watched them. They go around, they find food. Is that the way you want me to live? You want me to live just mouthful to mouthful, paycheck to paycheck. Why can't I be wiser than that and spend a few hours every day worrying about my financial goals? What about getting ahead? What about having a a bit of a margin so I can relax? Sure, wildflowers do not worry, but that's because flowers don't have brains. Is that why God gave us brains? So that we could use them to worry? We are living as if God does not exist, as if God is not very relevant to the things that truly matter. Jesus asks one of his questions. He says, which, which one of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your life? Or which of you, by being anxious, can, can make yourself grow a little taller? Huh? He's asking, how's it working for you? Is, is worrying working for you? I mean, if it is, I guess go ahead. But how is it really working for you? You've got yourself an international space station. And you have plans to go to Mars someday. But you still can't manage to live longer than 120 years. And for some reason, you're not growing much higher than a couple of meters. What's going on? How's that worrying working for you? Jesus has a way of describing us, besides calling us little flock. He has another phrase for us. When we are committed to running our own life, Jesus says, well, you of little faith. Six times in the Bible, Jesus describes his disciples as you of little faith. He's not suggesting that if you just believe, if you just have positive thoughts, that all will go well. No, this faith he's talking about is faith in God, right? So he's saying that underneath our anxiety issues is a problem that we have with God. Why am I not trusting my Father in heaven? I still need to work. I still need to get up every morning and give it my all. But I can do that with faith in God, 
trusting that he is wise, trusting that he is good, trusting that he will keep all of his promises. Now, thankfully, Jesus does not merely tell us what not to do in Luke 12. He also has this very practical alternative to anxiety. He says, pursue the kingdom of God. Seek God's kingdom. Pursue the good life. Uh, maybe that's what you thought you were doing by worrying about everything. That, that's, that's just my way of seeking the kingdom. It's, it's my way of keeping track of stuff. Um, got my list. But what Jesus means by seeking God's kingdom is different than our typical anxious approach to things. Pursue the kingdom, he's saying, by focusing on people who are in need. Seek God's kingdom by investing yourself in people who cannot repay you. You are anxious about not having enough. Well, recognize that you probably have something that you can share. Perhaps you have time. Perhaps you can downsize a bit. Perhaps you can make even more profit in 2023 and will thus be able to bless more and more people who are in need. Jesus wants us to start thinking about our life in these terms. How, by God's grace, can I bless more and more people and free them up to give thanks to their Heavenly Father who's using me as a temporary means of providing for them so that they too can be free. In verse 33, Jesus does not tell you to sell everything. He does tell that to another guy somewhere else, but here to you as a group, he doesn't say sell everything in verse 33, but he is saying that pursuing the kingdom of God involves sacrifice. It's the kind of a sacrifice that is an investment in eternity. Money bags that do not decrease in value with every movement of the market. I know deceitful prosperity preachers twist these words to get you all focused on becoming rich, but Jesus wants you to know that God made you for something much better than mere money. He made you for a kingdom that cannot be purchased with the stuff of this earth, an eternal kingdom. So maybe you're thinking, okay, the, the, the poor people that I know, they're lazy. And I would be hurting them, not helping them, if I gave them stuff. So it's, it is true that we need to be wise with how we give, but I think it would be better to obey Jesus here and give to someone who's in need, even if that needy person does not appreciate it, than to hold back and never give at all. 
We think that the smart thing to do is not to give. That way we never get taken advantage of. Jesus is saying the smart thing to do is to give, to invest in needy people, even if they take advantage of us. After all, isn't that what happens every day with God, the Father? He just continues to graciously give stuff to people, knowing that they will not always respond very well. I'm unsure. Should I, should I help someone locally here in Geelong, or should I help someone in another country? doesn't matter. The main thing is to give, because by doing so, you are reflecting the very character of God. By giving so freely, you are imitating your heavenly Father. His grace, his mercy. Jesus' antidote to anxiety is not ultimately, however, about helping others, as good as that is. Jesus' ultimate concern here, his ultimate solution to anxiety, his ultimate reason for you to be at peace is found in verse 32. Um, I don't know about the practice of having a life verse, but if, if, if here you've made it this far to 2023 and you still don't have a life verse, I would recommend verse 32. It's, it's worthy of such an honor. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know, Jesus could ground his command in any number of reasons. Be at peace, fear not, because of this, because of that. But look at the singular reason Jesus gives you for giving up your anxious approach to life. He says, do this because it is your heavenly Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus anchors your peace, your contentment, in the most solid ground, the unchanging, eternal character of God, God's delight in himself, God's good pleasure, God's determined decree, God's sovereign joy in loving you, in giving you more than you can imagine. Jesus' ultimate goal is that you would know the Father even as he knows the Father. And as Jesus observes the way that we typically live with how we get stressed out over the most trivial of things, when Jesus looks at us enslaved, shackled to all of our anxieties, some of them real, when he sees us like that, he so desires us to enter into true joy and true life and to know his Father as, as he knows his Father. He wants us to know that his Father, that your Father, is for you. 
Jesus isn't just talking about these things. Uh, This paragraph we've been looking at in Luke 12 is in the dead center of Luke's gospel. And where is Luke's gospel going? It will culminate with Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. Jesus can talk to you about his father giving away the kingdom for free because Jesus is going to pay the price for that. He's going to be, he is the king of that kingdom and he lays down his life in your place, taking the death we deserve, conquering sin, death, and the grave, and rising with victory on the third day so that he can stand even in advance and tell his little flock, come, enter the kingdom for free. Because Jesus is covering it all. You have a right to be a child of God and to inherit this kingdom because Christ, your Lord, your Savior, has purchased you. He's he's ransomed you. He's redeemed you. He's bought you back. When we worry, we are buying into some kind of a lie that something other than the gracious God of the Bible is the foundation of ultimate reality. We build our lives on partial truths, little half-truths, like there's no free lunch which is a pretty good principle as far as it goes, but it's not ultimate reality. Because the ultimate reality is the absolute personal God of the universe who's giving away the kingdom for free. It's more than a free lunch. And so Jesus closes this talk with his famous line about the location of your treasure and the location of your heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What what does that even mean? Why Why should I care about the location of my heart? If my heart is the center of my being, and I want to use the center of my being to focus on food and clothing or anything else, what is that to Jesus? Why does he care? Like, why can't I just have my heart any place I choose? What is this about the location of my heart? Well, Jesus is telling you, the center of your being, your heart, you, your heart was created, your heart was designed for a certain location, for a particular location. But you have your heart in a different location. My job, my dreams, my family, my children, my pet cause, my investments, myself. My heart is located, it has a location here on this earth. And Jesus is saying, no, your heart does not have to be located there. Your heart doesn't have to be stuck in this place. Your heart can be where it was created to be in fellowship with the triune God. Your heart can be in heaven where your Father is. If your treasure is in heaven, then your heart will be in heaven. You'll be in fellowship with God. You will be hidden in Christ who has ascended on high. May your treasure in 2023 increasingly be with Christ your Lord 
And may increasingly you be free more and more from whatever anxiety weighs you down. Uh, Here, just one more time here, uh, Jesus' words from 32. Don't be afraid, little flock. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let's pray. Oh, Lord our God, we... We thank you for your holy word. And we ask, O oh God, that you would drive it home to our hearts. We trust that you are greater than our hearts. We, we give to you what's rightfully yours in the first place. And we ask, O oh God, that you would enlarge our hearts, that you would fill us with your spirit, with your grace, with your joy. In Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let's respond to God's word together by by singing of our Lord and our Redeemer.